Hello and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the October 12th edition of Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I'm Coach Alan DeRitter, and I'm the head soccer coach at De La Salle and also uh, the director of coaching at Soccer Innovations of America. And we always start off our show with a prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, thanks for letting this hurricane uh, not be as powerful as Laura and pray for everybody who's suffering from it be able to continue to get the aid. Maybe see this as a blessing in disguise that uh, the aid is still desperately needed and everybody was starting to forget about Laura around the country. And please help us to be another push to help everybody in the Lake Charles region be able to recover. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And let's. I really hope that that's really what's going to have to happen. Uh, I hope this is a blessing in disguise for them. My family lives in the New Iberia area. It was no walk in the park, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but at the same token, it, it was not Laura. You know, Category 4 storm is a different animal. And uh, uh, it just destroys buildings. Um, Category 2s will knock down trees and power. And uh, when, when you start destroying structures of buildings, that's that's really heavy-duty damage. That just cannot be over. Can't, it's not over in a week or two. And uh, and the rest of the country was moving on with the election and all, and hopefully now uh, it will focus its attention at least one more time on Lake Charles because we can't sustain it all. We're doing all we can over here in New Orleans, but it needs national attention, not not just uh, local attention. So uh, for those of you who are listening outside of Louisiana, please consider uh, helping Red Cross or another organization you trust uh, help everybody get it on their feet in the Lake Charles area. I'm hoping, uh, beyond hope, that we're going to still have our Louisiana Showcase uh, over there in Lake Charles, one of the tournaments that really put Louisiana on the map a long time ago. Uh, all right. Anyhow, uh, I just wanted to get my two cents in there. I thought about calling Jason and, uh, and Coach Prime, but uh, I figure right now they're still licking their wounds. And the last thing they need is to be interrupted by being on the show. And I'm sure by next week, they'll be able to let us know exactly what more they need uh, as, uh, as as this tra- tragic year just continues to, to go forward. And and uh, good news is, you know, in two weeks, we're going to be starting soccer. Bad news is, is we're going to be doing it with football around. Y'all, that's going to be hard to do. You're going to see, all right? Uh, you're going to see. Uh, it's It's... It's going to be very difficult logistically uh, to coordinate stadiums and, and and to get a full roster for a lot of teams. And it's going to be a different year. And uh, a lot of us are not going to be playing our best soccer at the end of January as as we knew, usually are. Uh, it's going to it's going to be very difficult. Okay, so um, get ready. Uh, this is a year like no other, and and I, I'm I'm kicking in my heels and I'm ready to go. Well, look, I just took my online clinic and uh, I contacted LHSA and I figured it would be a good idea 
that not just the co- head coaches know about the rule changes this year uh, that we that we have implemented, but it's really good for everybody to know because you're going to have people going nuts on the sidelines when they see something that used to be illegal last year done this year. And, uh, and, and, and that's really what we're going to have going on. We have a lot of different rules here, not very se- severe changes. Some of them are just to get in line with FIFA, uh, like duh. Why aren't we just following FIFA's lead, period? But anyway, uh, uh, so a lot of normal high school rules are going to be going out, and um, we're going to be talking about that after we have our break uh, on Monday Night Football. And our first break, I want to just acknowledge our sponsor, Club Soccer. They're in the heat of everything now, uh, trying to get people last-minute stuff. A lot of people didn't order their equipment uh, because of the fact that they didn't know whether or not we were going to have a season, and now they're scrambling because uh, it takes eight weeks to get your your equipment in. Uh, And so they're the type of people that will be able to tell you, okay, uh, where the connections are, uh, where you can maybe get some equipment that's suitable for you uh, in a shorter period of time and customize it to your needs. And uh, I strongly suggest you give them a look. Uh, that's club soccer. They're right across the street from Lafayette Park, and uh, and they're they're worth it. The Zelaya brothers do a, will do a very good job, and they're keeping Miss Pat's uh, memory uh, totally alive. I went in there the other day, and I probably spent more time talking in there than I usually talk with Miss Pat, which is always a guaranteed thirty-minute conversation when you walked in there, even if you were going to go pick up some uh, scrimmage vests. Anyway, we're going to talk about the LHSA changes in just a second on Monday Night Football. We'll see you after the break. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Okay, all you head coaches out here, you know the drill. The state's been warning you and warning everybody constantly that if you don't get these, uh, you don't go to the rule changes meeting uh the uh, online clinic uh, by October 18th, which is really at the end of this week, uh, you're going to be fined. Okay, your school's going to be fined $50, and you want to make athletic directors angry? Okay, that that'll do it. Okay, uh, when uh, they're not making money to begin with in soccer, so uh, that's that's vital that we take care of business there, and uh, it's embarrassing if you, if you don't take care of business. Okay, all right. So the rule changes. Uh, a lot of them are, are I mean, they're going to be, they're, they're not going to raise any eyebrows today, okay? Uh, uh, but the first rule just like blew me away when I was taking the test. It's like, I've been coaching now, I've been coaching soccer since 1980, to, 1980 okay? Uh, I hate to say, put all the math together, but I think it's 40 years. And never in my life have I came across a situation where a ball became deflated during the match, okay? I've had situations where we discovered and begged that a ball be taken out because it was it was played with deflated, you know? But uh, obviously somebody had this happen to them this year. If, and, and so we have a rule, 2-2-4. Two, two, <laughs> if a ball becomes deflated during play, it is declared dead. <laughs> and the game is resumed by a drop ball at the spot where it was last played. If the ball becomes deflated with the goal within the goal area, then the ball is dropped subject to the provisions of rule 9-2-2 and 9-2-3. Uh, in other words, the team that had the possession of the ball, let's say... 
Team A passes the ball and it gets deflated uh, in midair. Okay, so Team A is going to get a drop ball. Okay, um, and uh, and a drop ball in this case isn't a true drop ball. It's a drop ball just basically given to the other player of the other team, which which really to me is ridiculous. But it, it's it's an attempt to not give a team just a a, a re kick. Okay, uh, which. Some teams, they're lethal at that. And so when you've got the referee dropping the ball off the ground, it's a lot different than if you're giving them an indirect or direct free kick. Okay? So uh, now I didn't see anything in the rule as to whether or not this would be a direct kick. I'm assuming it is a direct kick. Referees in here, come help me clarify this. But uh, if you have a person with some real volleying talent, I'd put them next to the ball. And as the referee drops the ball, you can just put a shot in because uh, the other team's got to give you some clearance. So um, at least I think it's four yards. Um now, if the ball becomes deflated during a penalty kick, the kick will be retaken. What a nice strategy, I guess, you know? Like, okay, these guys can beat us on PK, so we're going to put in a flat ball? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one yet. I've seen lots. I've seen so much but uh, in 40 years, but uh, never had to deal with that. All right. Required equipment. Uh so much of the the harm that has been done by going all white and all all uh, dark a couple of years back, a few years back, uh, I think it's finally come full circle now, and common sense has taken over because yo know, these. You know, this costs money, okay? It costs money, and money is not limitless in a school budget for soccer, and so. Um, the visiting team is responsible for wearing solid white uh, jerseys and socks, okay? Can there be some play in it? Uh, I, I, I think so, uh, but it should be predominantly white. And also, they've given up on trying to be classy because the pros are just not doing this. Uh, if your shirt's untucked, it can remain untucked. And I, all of you coaches in here um, – to me, it's not a matter of neatness. To me, if your shirt's untucked and you're claiming that somebody's pulling and tugging on your shirt, how can you show any evidence to the referee if you're playing with the shirt untucked? So if a referee knows that your team is constantly tucked and that you're vigilant with that, then if a shirt becomes untucked, then that's an argument for you on the sidelines. Hey, they're pulling and tugging. Could you please call the game tire? Okay. So uh, that, that's 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 all. Uh, that's up to all of you coaches out here how you want to coach. And uh, we've been talking about some gamesmanship in the last uh, couple of shows, unfortunately. And uh, and y'all look, uh, soccer's not going to be devoid of evil. Okay, there's gonna. This is a free world. Uh, there are people who cheat to win. There are people who who uh, are going to win at all costs, and uh, and they make no apology about it. Uh, if they're hired to win, that's what they're going to do, and whatever it takes to get there, they're going to get there, and they can justify it in that means. And um, I just argue this is a youth sport, not a professional sport, and if you're going to cheat to win, you're, you're laying a foundation for a disastrous society to follow. Okay. 
All right, rule 427. Uh, they're finally chillaxed about the mouthpiece. Now a mouthpiece can just be clear or white, okay? Uh, no big deal anymore. Uh, so if you see somebody with a clear mouthpiece, don't have a cow about it. If anything, compliment the kid for having the guts to wear a mouthpiece. It's amazing how many soccer players don't wear mouth protection, okay? All right, um, Ball in and out of play rule 991 slash B. Okay. All right. So let me read this to you. The ball is out of play when it is completely crossed the goal line. Okay. Or the touch line or on the ground, whether on the ground or in the air. That's the clarification there. Okay. Um, the ball. Now that's always been the case, right? Um, uh, Although there's some arguments you can make about a ball being out of bounds and a person trying to do a, uh, you know, a, a scissor kick out of bounds to try to keep the ball in the play. And it's up for a linesman to make that determination, you know. But I think this is the reason for the rule. If a ball touches an official and remains on the field, okay, and it either A, starts a promising attack for the other team, B, goes directly into the goal, or C, changes possession, uh, then it's going to be ruled out of play. And so uh, um, the other teams will be given a drop ball. So um, the thing is, is uh, uh, I guess we've been having referees who are not in shape getting in the way of play. And I, I, I don't know if I agree with this rule because, you know, you, you, the referee is what you got, you know, and if – the referee's part of the field. That's what I've always taught my team. And so if the referee's in your line of, of sight, just like if a defender is, you have to work around it. And uh, it's just a part of the game. And if you hit the referee, it's like hitting the post. Uh, wherever the ball lands after it hits it, the ball lands. And and uh, But uh, maybe there was an instance where the referee actually cheated. Okay. Uh, wow. So... Um, I'm speechless over that one, y'all. And if that's what really happened, then wow, uh, we got problems. And so, therefore, the way to eliminate the problem is the rule. Uh, so let's say uh, you have a referee from Jackson, Mississippi. He's calling a game for a Jackson team, and a team from Gulfport plays the ball that looks like it's going to be a goal. Uh, and you definitely want to make sure that they don't score. You could just put your body in the way. And... Uh, Da da, no goal, right? Well, wrong. The other team's going to get a drop ball, and the other the uh, the opposing team is going to have to be uh, um, the opposing team is going to have to give clearance. So here's the words word the rule word for word, okay? For the drop ball, the game is restarted with a drop ball when the ball is caused to go out of bounds by two opponents simultaneously. Also, when the ball becomes deflated, uh, when a, following a temporary suspension of play for an injury. Uh, when simultaneous fouls of the same degree are occurred by opponents or when the ball touches an official. So the, the rules of the drop ball um, is is basically uh, instead of a true drop ball where you get dropping the ball on two players or really if you look at the drop ball rule, you can have all 22 players around the ball, you know, and that's dangerous. And most people with common sense don't do that. But it could be a, a massive, uh, uh, what do they call that in rugby, a scrum, you know? Here, the ball is going to be dropped at by an official from the waist level to the ground. 
the referee drops the ball to one player of the team. That way, the referee can't just throw the ball on the ground with disgust. Okay, if they're get, if they're being sliding, if they're uh, favoring the other team. Okay, so uh, anyway, um, it is supposed to be placed at the position where it was last touched by a player, an outside agent, or a match official. If when a play was stopped, the ball was in the penalty area or the last touch by either team was in the penalty area, the ball is dropped to the defending team's goalkeeper with all opposing players outside the penalty area. In all cases, all other players must remain, remain four yards away from the ball. So if it happens within the box, you get a lot more relief than if it happens in the middle of the field. And y'all, follow you old-timers in here, y'all remember when Brother Martin had that big oak tree? And the ball would hit the oak tree all the time. Uh, this rule would have finally dealt with that problem sufficiently. Whereas instead of the tree being part of the field, now the kicking team that kicked the ball into the tree could get a free kick from the tree. with the, well, Not a total free kick, a drop ball. But at least, you know, the tree can't be a, a 12th defender, you know? Anyway, uh, I don't know why four yards was given... Uh, as the distance uh, for the for the uh, for the relief for the defense, but that's what it is unless it's in the box. Okay. Um. Uh, now, if the ball was in the penalty area, or the last uh, or the last touch by either team was in the penalty area when the play was stopped, the ball is dropped to the defending team's goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, all opposing players must be outside of the penalty area. That's the arc included. And all players must be at least four yards away from the ball also. So if it's on the edge of the box, you're going to have to give that four yards. Okay? Now, if it's in the goal area, uh, the ball is dropped to the goalkeeper in that part of the goal line area, uh, which is parallel to um, to where the ball was stopped. So uh, it doesn't say here whether or not the goalkeeper can pick it up. That's something I like to hear about um, from the referees who are, who are out there for us. Now... When it comes to taking a free kick, okay, um, this is coming in more in line now with FIFA. Players opposing the kickers should always be 10 yards away from the ball unless they're standing on their old goal line between the goal posts, all right? If the free kick is awarded to the defending team in the penalty area, the players, oppose, uh, players opposing the kicker shall be outside the penalty area at least 10 yards from the ball and shall remain there until the ball is in play. When three or more of the defending team players form a wall, an attacking team player must remain at least one yard from the wall until the ball is in play. So there goes a lot of my coaching down down, down the tubes because uh, I used to play, uh, you know, I would teach my players to make a wall first, you know, um, so that way they can get in their wall, you know, before the wall even exists. And, uh, and now... Um, I, I, with this rule, I, I, I don't know what a referee's going to do with that, okay? If I put a player 10 yards away from the ball, between the ball and the goal, well, they are they going to move my player so that they can put a three- or four-man wall in that area? Um, any referees out there, uh, uh, especially Nick, if you're listening, uh, could you please give me clarification on that? I'll be glad to share that with you on the next show because I don't know the answer to that. I do know if there's a set wall now you can't put your butt in it, okay, which really angers me because I like to seal the wall off with a player so that way they can't peel off easily. And um, and really, 
it still can be sealed, but with one yard clearance, there's a little more freedom for the person in the wall to become um, a better positioned defensively. So, uh, <laughs> and I don't want to give away all my trade tricks of the trade, but uh, one of my favorite things to do is when a team sets up a wall, I like to put a wall right behind them. <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of fun and uh and see how they react to it all right and uh and usually uh the poorly coached teams are going to put a wall behind the wall <laughs> and that leaves some players free for really some disastrous results um if they are well coached then you know you know what to do you good coaches out there right uh if you don't know what to do, email me or give me a message. And if you bother to ask the question, I'll give you the answer, okay? But uh, uh, anyhow, um, this isn't a free clinic. Now, uh, if you're taking a goal kick, okay, uh, the ball's in play as soon as it's touched now, all right? And so, therefore, uh, you don't – you can rush in. If the player mishits the ball, like you see a lot of times in windy games and rainy games – once that ball is touched, it's live. And so if it dies, like, let's say, to 10 yards away from the goal, and it's just sitting in a puddle of water, you go get it, okay? Uh, and it is going to be legal now, all right? So uh, those are the two clarifications there. Uh, um Okay, uh, the indication for indirect kick is still going to be a hand uh, – put up okay um anyhow this is kind of an interesting way to, to they've uh, they, they they word it the new free kick and how it's taken rule 1334 the referee must show and and hold the indirect kick signal until the kick is taken and the ball is touched by any other player failure of the referee to correctly signal an indirect free kick when the ball goes directly into an opponent's goal results in a re kick you better listen to that okay because how many of us coaches will just allow them to kick an indirect kick into the goal i've seen it happen too many times but if the referee didn't have his or her hand up they get a re-kick wow so whoo that that'll drive me nuts Okay, if if the referee is verbal, like a verbal referee, he says indirect kick, indirect kick, and he goes walk, and then and the other team says, wait a minute, his hand wasn't up. We get a re kick. They got leg to stand on there with this rule. Okay, now for dual referees, I like this rule fourteen one three for a penalty kick. The opposing goalkeeper shall stand within one foot or in line with the goal line facing the kicker between the goalposts and shall not be touching the goalposts across bar or nets until the ball is kicked. And the referee is supposed to be there making sure that that is happening. With a three... With three referees, it's easier to do than with two. But now this referee's got to make sure at least one part of the goalie's body is touching the goal line, okay? The goal leader is, goalkeeper is not permitted to come off the line with both feet until the ball is kicked, okay? So that allows a goalie to be able to do all the dancing that they want to do, but that, that whole little cheat step that a lot of people have been teaching in the last few years, whereas the player approaches the ball, you get off your line and you put yourself a full three feet closer to the ball, uh-uh, not happening, all right? You got to have one part of your body touching the goal line. Amen there. 
Okay, amen there, because there's been a lot of gamesmanship on penalty kicks, which uh, I've, I've, I've really not liked at all. Okay, how many of you coaches in here and players are tired of the obstruction rule just being ignored? Okay, um, if we have a rule that says a player cannot obstruct another player from going to get a free ball that's out there that they are not in control of, okay, uh, then that's illegal. That's playing the person, not the ball. Well, now it's legal if you if the referee determines that you can play the ball, then you're allowed to shield it. Okay, uh, and it can only be challenged from behind legally. And of course, what usually happens is it's a foul because usually players just lose their patience and they hack from behind, uh, which you better work with your players and make sure that they. Uh, that they understand this, that now obstruction is legal. If that ball is rolling in, let's say it's rolling out of bounds, and, you know, most coaches teach their kids to obstruct. Uh, that's my experience. Uh, they'll just we make a weaving run, but, and, and, you know, with the ball in front of them, so that way nobody can get a direct a path to the ball. Well, now, instead of that being a foul, that's going to be a good play. So uh, there's almost now no obstruction call in the game of soccer unless you would just go ahead and pick somebody like a football play you know where you just clock somebody when they're running through the middle of the field like a free safety on a wide receiver that that'll be the only way now to get a call here okay all right so uh their clarification uh, if a player dribbles the ball to a corner and while the ball is within playing distance, he uses his body or her body to block the opponents from reaching the ball. That's a that's a legal shielding. And um, I used to have a player that got Gatorade Player of the Year. He used to wear shin guards on the back of his ankles because he loved doing this. Okay, and he would always get fouled. Okay, because he had such good ball control, and uh, and he could keep it in a way where uh, he was not viewed obstructing because the ball's in the corner. What else can he do with it? So he's got a right to it. So he'd bring the ball to the corner and just wait for somebody to lose their cool and hack him. And then what do you get from that? You get you get a, 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 a corner kick that's closer to the goal because now you don't have to put it on the end line. You can, you know, and it's 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 a way to get a good restart. Okay. Now um Rule 1282D, um, let's say a player just goes ahead and clocks another player inside the penalty area when an obvious goal-scoring goal opportunity is happening, okay? Uh, the referee is supposed to award the opponent a penalty kick and issue, and issue a red card, okay? So um, I, I don't know how that's a, a change of anything, okay? Um uh, but Article 2D says foul play uh, or for disqualification. If a player commits a foul inside the penalty area while not attempting to play the ball, denying the opponent the obvious goal-scoring opportunity, the referee will award that penalty kick. Okay? Well, duh. All right. Now, when a dual uh, corner kick officiating system, when the ball is kicked from the right side, the lead official will take a position behind the ball. Amen. That's where he's supposed to be or she's supposed to be. Anyhow, when the ball's kicked, the official will observe the flight of the ball, and once it's determined that the ball will land on the field of play, the official can move inward along the goal line so as to better observe the actions of the players where the ball will land. Okay? 
So you should have one official behind the ball and one official on the edge of the, of the, of the box, okay? All right. All right. And that's enough, huh? Rule changes, rule changes, rule changes. And to me, it's kind of like the rule changes come into play when people play to win within the rule system. Like, okay, well, if this is going to be legal, then I'm going to try to get away with it. Instead of just teaching the kids how to play the game at the highest level possible. Okay, I, I encourage all of you out here. Instead of wasting your valuable practice time, and high school practice time is valuable. We only have so many practices to get a team ready. And uh, if you're going to waste it teaching the kids how to game the system, uh, you know, I, I, I strongly disagree with you. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. I understand it, but I don't agree with you. Okay? Teach your players how to play a system well, and then they won't need to uh, to game the other team and and try to just do little bitty things to aggravate the other team and get their players hot and furious and get red cards and and uh, and and all the like. How about just playing a? How about let's play a clean game, okay? By the rules instead of within the rules, okay? How about let's not tug t-shirts. How about Let's not slow down free kicks by stepping on the ball or kicking it away, okay? Uh, how about treating the other team the way we want to be treated, all right? And uh, uh, I think that leads to fair play, and fair play leads to satisfied outcomes, okay? Uh, when at all costs, usually does not, okay? And uh, I'm going to throw a little religion at you here, Uh uh, we've been dealing, I'm a Roman Catholic, we've been dealing with a lot of serious sin in the Catholic Church in the last week and a half, two weeks. And uh, and I'm going to tell you, evil and good look very similar before in the engagement, okay? Uh, if evil was a Freddy Krueger or a bowl of hot steaming lava, it would be easy to avoid evil. But usually evil is very, very, very pleasant to the to to the person before it's done but you usually know after the act is made whether or not it is an evil act because if there was a life-giving act something good happened not at the expense of somebody else's dignity then you're going to have a good feeling inside whereas if something happened at the expense of somebody's dignity okay uh then you're going to have guilt inside Okay, if you have a conscience. And so it's easy to determine whether or not you did something morally right after you've done it. It's really saintly if you can determine what your moral compass is going is asking you to do before you act upon it. Okay, that's where rules and laws help people who are who don't know how to act per se. The rules kind of keep people uh, within the boundaries. And now it looks like now we got uh, boundaries being pushed with referees and ball flattening. You know, so uh, who knows what the rule changes are going to be next year? But uh, if we all play within the rules and play play clean, uh, there's no need for these these rule changes to keep coming at us. 
All right, I'm on my soapbox, but hey, that's your fault. If you want to be heard on the show, I've had a lot of guests on this show. If you want to be on the show, get in touch with me at MNFUTBOL. That's on Twitter or Facebook, and I'll be glad to get you on. Also, you can get on in touch with me with uh, LA Prep Soccer, too. And uh, and let's get your voice heard. This is your show. This is the voice for youth soccer, especially in Louisiana. Don't forget to pray and physically help out the people in, the, in uh, southwest Louisiana uh, as you go on through your business this week. And the clock's ticking, everybody. High school soccer is about to crank up. God bless us all. All right. All right. So, Carpe Diem in Christ. I'll hopefully see you next week on Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Take care. Bye-bye.